if there's one thing that I absolutely can't stand that is a huge pet peeve of mine are people that make excuses. These are people that will come up with every excuse in the book not to do something instead of taking that same time and energy and focusing on developing a solution. And that is what we're going to be talking about on this week's episode. It's time for you to break up with your excuses. You are listening to the Woman of Faith podcast, hosted by award-winning author and transformation coach, Nancy Ruffin. Whether you're establishing your faith journey or just getting started, the Woman of Faith podcast is passionate about sharing stories of faith that will inspire you to boldly live the life you were created for. If you're ready to elevate your faith and step into who God created you to be, then you're in the right place. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman of Faith podcast. It's your girl, the one and only Nancy Ruffin. Um, And so we're back. I hope that you have had a great weekend. I hope that this week you have entered the week feeling refreshed and rejuvenated and just full of positive energy, ready to tackle whatever comes your way. Because half the battle of making it through life is how we approach our days, how we think about ourselves, how we think about the world around us, and our willingness to adapt to the situations, especially those things that we are not prepared for, right? When, the, when we're prepared, that's easy because we're prepared for anything that comes our way. But it's those unexpected curveballs that life likes to throw at us sometimes that can really, you know, knock us over. And if we're not careful, we will let, you know, these things that knock us down, keep us down. This is why it's really important to arm yourself with God's word, with the truth, and with reminding yourself of just how strong you are. And so this week, as I mentioned in the intro, I want to talk a little bit about excuses, those pesky little things that we tell ourselves when we don't want to do something. And there's a lot of times when we don't want to do something that is good for us and we somehow talk ourselves out of doing the thing that's good for us because the thing that might be good for us might be a little hard at first and we're so comfortable in sitting and being in that comfort zone that anything that pushes us past that, that makes us uneasy, that makes us uncomfortable, we tend to make excuses about, right? And, and we conversation could be, yeah, I know that that's a, a good thing for me to do, but I just don't have the time for that right now. Or someone might ask you uh, to be a guest speaker because they think that your story is powerful or that your experience is something that can help someone else and your response is, but I'm a horrible speaker or but... I can't because I'm shy, like all of these buts. And so many of us live under the shackles of buts in our lives. 
no pun intended, you know, and in doing that, we really keep ourselves stuck and unable to really step into what God has for us, right? The, the potential that he has filled us with, with the many gifts and talents that he has given us our desire to continue making excuses keeps us from moving forward. And so this week, this is what I wanted to talk about. And if you've been following me on social, like on Instagram, at I am Nancy Ruffin, if you're not, um, you can find me on social media there. But I've been uh, very transparent about my own quote unquote health journey. And those of you who know me know that I absolutely hate Hate, hate working out. It is not one of my favorite things to do, but I am a woman of a certain age now. I am 45 glorious years old. I am not embarrassed to say my age. I am grateful that God has blessed me with 45 years of life. But we know that the older we get, you know, our body starts to break down, right? And so our experiences and the things that we have done or not done to keep our bodies in shape, you know, start to affect us in very real ways. And I want to be really explicit here because although I might look slim on the outside and some may look at me and think that I'm going to the gym because I want to lose weight, none of that is my motivation. Um, Because just because you're thin and skinny, doesn't necessarily mean that you are healthy. And this is where I find myself. At my last doctor's appointment, which was about a few months ago, um, I had high cholesterol. I am borderline diabetic and diabetes runs in my family. My father has diabetes um, that he controls through just monitoring you know, his sugar intake. Um, but yeah, I'm borderline diabetic because I too love my sweets. And I have high cholesterol. And then, you know, I just don't always feel good physically. I get tired all the time. My knees hurt. My back hurts. All of these things. And so I recently decided to join a gym. And listen, I have been going back and forth with working out for years, since 2016. In 2016, I joined Beachbody. I became a Beachbody coach. And I would work out 30 minutes a day in my house and I was coaching other women to do it. And, you know, I got healthy. Um, But what I realized is that the older I get now, the more responsibilities that I have, my children are older, they demand so much more from me. I am not as self-motivated with my at-home workouts as I used to be. So I need that extra push. And so this is where the gym comes in. And so this gym that I joined, shout out to JNA Fitness in Wyckoff, New Jersey. Shout out to my trainers, Alex, Tara, and KJ. They all have been amazing. Um, but I digress. Um, I, I, my sister has been going to this gym for over seven years. And in the time that she has been going to the gym, she has been trying to get me to join. And I have been the queen of excuses, you know, because I have a full plate. I have always had a very busy schedule between work, between the children, between my husband, between my coaching practice, uh, between the workshops and seminars that I do. Like 
like I have very full days, right? So for me to carve out any additional time um, really takes a lot and a lot of like maneuvering. And so I would always tell my sister, I don't have the time. I just don't have the time. Like I already have all these things that I'm doing. And what I realized was that I did have the time because I wake up every single day at 5 a.m. Every day. It's just my body has this natural rhythm, you know, circadian rhythm. And that's the time that I wake up whether I want to or not. And usually between five and six, that is my time with God. That's my prayer time, my journal time, my meditation time, or like my my wellness time, my spiritual wellness time. Um, and so I kept saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. So I ended up going with her one day visiting, you know, now that um, COVID hit, you know, since the pandemic, uh, work environments have been more lenient with working at home policies, you know, so now my job allows for me to work from home more than, you know, it did in, you know, at past jobs that I had. Um, And so when I work from home, it just gives me a lot more time, right? Because the time that I would be spending commuting, I'm no longer spending commuting. So I get two hours of my time back. And so anyway, short, long story short, um, she invites me to go for like a trial session with her. I go as a guest and I loved it. Well, let me not say loved. Loved is relative here. Um, I felt really good after that first session. Um, and then I went back a couple of times more. And then after like the third time, I was like, you know what? This is something that not only I can do, I can make the time to do it. I had made up in my mind that I was no longer going to make excuses, but instead I was going to find time in my day to squeeze in these 45 minute workouts. And I, and actually it's, I need 60 minutes because it takes me uh, 15 minutes to get there. So once I made the decision that this was what I was going to do, I then followed it up with a, a commitment, a financial investment that holds me accountable to what I say that I want. So if I say that my health is important, that my wellness is important, then I have to be willing to invest the necessary resources into that commitment, right? So that means that I have to invest the the money, right? However much it costs for me to join the gym and to work with these trainers, it also requires for me to invest the necessary time, you know, to show up there. and And then once I'm there, it requires for me to put in the actual work, right? It's not enough that you just show up or that I just show up, but it matters that like, what do you do once you show up, right? So for me, it means that I'm giving my all when I'm there, even if I struggle doing some of the exercises, even if I don't know how to do the exercises, even if I'm struggling with my form, right? The commitment is that when I am there, I am going to push aside my ego, the part of me that wants to look good doing it, that doesn't want to look like a fool in front of everyone else who may have been, you know, doing this for a lot longer. Like I have to push my ego aside and show up and commit and do what 
I'm supposed to be doing. And this is where I am. I've joined, this is I think my third week. I've been going three to four times a week. And every single day that I go, I get better. So I'm not setting unrealistic expectations on myself that I have to be the best as soon as I start. I give myself grace knowing that I'm a beginner and also knowing that the more I go, the more I show up, the more committed I am, the more consistent I become, the better I'm going to get. Right? And I'm going to conquer the goal of being healthier, of being more fit. Um, and I have to say that I'm actually starting to enjoy going to the gym. And this is something that I never thought that I would say. Um, and I don't know if it's because this gym is different from like the Bally's gym that I used to join years ago and you're just left to your own devices because you know there's nothing but all these different machines and no one really to walk you through you know the proper use of them or what to focus on or any of that stuff like this gym is very circuit focused there's small groups so there's about two trainers per session um and since I've been attending I think the max during a session of attendees has been 12 people. So you get split up, you know, with each, with trainers. So it's like, if there's 12, then six go with one trainer and the other six go with the other. And you have like a mini personal training session with this trainer. And they, they walk around and they look at your form. They tell you how to correct yourself. They push you when they see you kind of slacking off, but they motivate you and they encourage you. And these are all things that I know that I need, right? And this is where self-awareness always comes, you know, this is where self-awareness comes through because you have to know yourself and you have to know what motivates you. You have to know what inspires you, uh, you know, and you have to know uh, like what you need to get you going or to get you through those difficult things, right? The things that you know you don't necessarily want to do, but you do because you know that they're good for you, because you have a bigger goal in mind, because you know that the outcome is going to be worth the time, the commitment, the investment that you put into it. And listen, I don't know what thing you've been avoiding, but I'm sure that there are some things that you have been making excuses about. Right? And believe me, I work with a lot of women and the number one excuse that I hear from women when it comes to their goals, whatever the goals are, is I don't have time. Um you know, I have kids, so the kids make it difficult. It's really hard. Again, it kind of always centers back to the time. Because they have the kids, it's hard to carve out an hour or two just for myself. But I will tell you something, kids are not awake 24 hours a day. So if you struggle with working on your goals because you have children and because you struggle with finding time to work on your goals, then that means you might have to wake up a little bit earlier, right? Wake up an hour earlier before your kids wake up. Or maybe that means you send your kids to bed an hour earlier. 
so that then while they're asleep, you have an hour or two to focus on your goals. Like one thing I know for sure is that where there's a will, there's a way. And you just have to want it bad enough. When you want it bad enough, you will stop making the excuse and you will start looking for solutions. And let me tell you, like, is my gym schedule the same every day? No, like it's not. Because depending on whether I'm working from home or whether I'm in the office, it varies. So for example, like today, um, normally I'm, to, on the days that I work from home, I'm normally able to attend a later session. But because I had made a promise like to my kids to, you know, to do some stuff with them, I knew that if I didn't get my gym uh, session in early, then I wouldn't, it would be really hard for me to get it done throughout the day. So you know what time I was up this morning? 5 a.m. Like I am every single day. I spent from 5 to 5.30 with God, praying, reading scripture at 5.45 I got in my car, I left, and I drove myself to the gym, and I was there for the 6 a.m. session, okay? And so that is what not making excuses and looking for a solution looks like. You make it your priority. Whatever is the thing that is important to you, you prioritize it. If you don't prioritize it, then that just means that it's not that important to you. And then that's okay too, right? No one is saying that you have to prioritize goals that are not important to you, but you owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself about your goals, about the things that you want to accomplish and make sure that whatever you invest your time in is because you want to do it. And I just want you to think about something that you really wanted to do in the past or something that you really wanted to accomplish. And I'm sure that when it's been something that you really wanted to do, you have found the way to make it happen. If you find yourself making excuses for it, then one, I would say reevaluate the goal and then really ask yourself, well, why was this a goal to begin with? And if it's something really important, like your health, right, like this is for me, um, then I would encourage you to push yourself a little bit more because there's nothing more important than our health. And the older that we get, the more important it becomes for us to take care of ourselves physically, spiritually, and mentally, and when we come back from this break, I'm going to give you some real examples from the Bible on some of the best known disciples like Moses and Jeremiah and how even they try to make excuses to not do the thing that God was calling them to do. You are tuned in to the Women of Faith podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening. So this week, we are talking about breaking up with our excuses. And what does that look like? What excuse have you been telling yourself or have you been giving others that, have, that has prevented you from accomplishing that next goal? I don't know what that is for you. You do. 
I encourage you to take some time and just think about that. But in this segment, I want you to know that even though you're making excuses, I have made excuses in the past. All of us have made excuses and excuses are something that have been around since the beginning of time. And I want to talk a little bit about where we see this in the Bible. So I'm going to share a couple of examples. I'm going to start first with Moses. As we know, Moses was the chosen one to deliver God's people from Egypt. And if you know any history about Moses, you know that he was raised by Pharaoh's, I think it's sister, by Pharaoh's sister. She found him floating in a river once um, the Pharaoh had gave a decree to murder all of the firstborn uh, males in the country um, at that time, right? And so Moses's mother puts him in a little basket. She puts him in the river. She, he sails away and he ends up, um, you know, in this river by the bedroom, I believe, or the home of Pharaoh's sister. She takes Moses and she raises him as her own son. He's raised as an Egyptian. He lives in the palace. You know, he's rich. He is not suffering, you know, like the Jews at that time. He's not a slave. Um, and then, you know, if you, I'm not going to give you the whole history of Moses. You, you can go read about his story in Exodus. Um, but I want to talk about how God's call... Uh, to Moses and him assigning Moses to become the human deliverer of the nation of Israel from Egyptian slavery. And, you know, we see in Exodus that God spoke personally to Moses on Mount Sinai through a burning bush. And so that might seem weird, right? You might just be standing somewhere in a garden, maybe in your backyard, and then a bush starts burning and out comes the voice of God, right? Just imagine it, picture it. Seems very bizarre, seems very unreal. And yet, this was what happened. And this was how God spoke to Moses. And up until that point, you know, Moses had been living a quiet, peaceful life. Um, at this point, he had already renounced his royalty. Um, you know, he had given up his riches. He was living as a Jew. And um, he had been a shepherd for 40 years when God called him. And Moses simply refused to accept the responsibility of dealing with the Pharaoh of Egypt, even though he was the best, the most qualified to deliver the Israelites from Egypt um, because he knew the intricacies of Egyptian culture. It's how he was raised. Like he had been a quote unquote insider. And so even though he knew everything about Egyptian culture and the problems of Israel's slavery, he did not feel qualified. And yet, who more qualified than him, right, could God have chosen to deliver his people from 
Egypt, you know, and Moses attempted to get out of God's call by making five excuses to God. And we're going to go through them. Um, you can find them in Exodus chapter 3, 11 to chapter 4 through 17, right? And all of these excuses were bad reasons for not stepping into what God was calling him to do. And so before we kind of continue, I just want you to take a moment and think about your own life and the excuses that you have been giving, given, or the excuses you have been giving, right? And think about the desire that God has put in your heart. Think about the dream that God has put in your heart and the excuses that you keep telling yourself as to why you can't do this thing, as to why you can't step into the calling, right? Maybe you don't feel qualified enough. Maybe you don't feel like you're educated enough. Maybe you don't feel like you have enough experience. Maybe you feel inadequate because you, in your mind, you might believe that there's someone who is more qualified to do this thing that God is calling you to do. Or maybe you feel like the market is saturated, right? Maybe there's too many people doing this thing that God has put in your heart. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how many people are doing what God is calling you to do. There's only one you. There's only one person who has experienced the things that you have experienced, that has the background that you have, that has survived the things that you survived. So it doesn't matter that there's a hundred people doing what you're doing. There's only one you. And because there's only one you, no one can do that thing like you can do it. God has given you specific gifts. He has given you specific talents. He has allowed you to walk certain paths and roads and experience certain challenges because those were the things that he was using to mold you, to develop you, to prepare you into the thing that he is calling you to do. But you keep making excuses. And this is the same thing that Moses was doing, right? And so Moses' first excuse was like that of many of us when we get called, right? His excuse was that he was a nobody. He was saying, God, why me? And he totally felt inadequate to do what God was calling him to do. But yet, Scripture tells us that there was no one more qualified than Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt because he had the benefit of living like an Egyptian, of being raised like an Egyptian. He was in the Egyptian army, so he knew like he just he knew so much about that culture and yet he was also a Jew. Right? And so God tells Moses that he is going to be with him and enable him to do all that he wanted done. And this is the same promise that God gives to you and to me. Because if he has given you the dream, if he has called you to it, he is going to equip you 
to walk the walk, to fight the battle, to make it through to the other side. And so you have to hold on to, the, to that promise when the enemy tries to infiltrate your mind and try to convince you otherwise. It's time to stop listening to the lies of the enemy and time to start listening to the truth of God. Because why is it so hard for us to believe the lies versus allowing ourselves to believe the truth? We can believe the negative thing, but we struggle with believing the positive. And so you have to start believing in what God says. Get yourself in the word. Get yourself in the Bible and start armoring yourself with the truth of God, because if you don't, you leave yourself open for attacks of the enemy. And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy comes to attack, kill, and destroy. So if you don't arm yourself with the word of God, right, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy is going to attack you every chance it gets. Moses' second excuse was that he did not have an answer concerning whose authority he had to be Israel's deliverer, right? And so in layman's terms, he was like, how can I go and deliver these people from Egypt? Like on whose authority am I telling them that I'm acting on behalf of? Like, who am I going to tell sent me? And so this was really quite foolish. So God told Moses that he was Jehovah, the self existent creator who was sending him to Egypt. The infinite God of the universe gave him authority to act in his name. And that's the same authority that God has given you by giving you the calling, by putting the dream in your heart and the vision and the desire. You act on the authority of the almighty God and our almighty father. And so Moses still Still couldn't, he couldn't get it. He's still trying to make these excuses. And he was like, all right, but when they ask me, like, what your name is, like, what am I supposed to tell them? Right? And this, let me tell you something. We talk so much about affirmations and what we put behind the I am, we become. Let me tell you that in Exodus 3, God tells us that his name is I am. I am who I am. That is what he tells Moses to tell those who ask him on whose authority he is acting on. He tells Moses to tell the Egyptians that I am sent me. And so he, through the authority of God, is to go and deliver the Israelites from Egypt, and he is to tell them that I am sent me. What I am are you attaching to yourself, right? Are you attaching the I am of the almighty God? Or are you attaching the lies of the enemy every time you say, I am inadequate. I am depressed. I am sick. I am tired. I am incapable, right? That doesn't come from God. That's the lies of the enemy. 
right? But you start attaching something positive to that I am. I am capable. I am strong. I am healed. I am well. I am happy. I am joyful, right? Those things, those things you start to manifest. And the truth is that no matter what you attach to that I am, that is what you become. And so if we know that words have power, why would you not speak life into yourself? Why would you not speak God's holy name into yourself knowing that you walk with the authority of God? That when he gives you the dream, he gives you everything you need to fulfill it. And even with that, even with God telling him, I am who I am, Moses was still not submissive. And he gave God yet another excuse. Excuse number three. Moses' third excuse to God. You can find this in Exodus chapter four, verses one through nine. He raised the possibility that none of the leaders in Israel would believe that God himself had sent him. So God's response was that he gave Moses the ability to manifest three supernatural miracles. And this would prove that God had sent him. And still, even with God giving Moses the power to perform miracles, Moses was still belligerent. Moses was still making excuses. Moses was being stubborn and he was still telling God, nope, there's no way, God, there's no way I can't do this. I can't. I don't care if you tell me that I'm going to be able to manifest these miracles. Nope, 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 no way, no how, right? So Moses' fourth excuse, after God tells him, listen, you're going to be able to perform these miracles. I got you. Don't worry. They're going to believe you after you do this. Moses wasn't trying to hear it. So we continue on to Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12. Moses said that he was not an eloquent speaker and had problem speaking. Listen, how many of us have used that excuse? Right, We say we're not great public speakers. We can't get up and talk in front of a crowd. I don't know what to say. This, that, and the third. We start making all these excuses. Yet, God has given us a brain. God has given us a mouth so that we can speak. And yet, we will stand here and say, nope, there's no way. I can't speak. I don't have the right words. Right, But God tells Moses... That he will give him the words. That he would enable him to speak and teach him what to say. Come on now. Listen, this is why me as someone who speaks all the time. I speak on this podcast. I've spoken in front of huge crowds. I've given keynote speeches. I've done poetic performances. Listen, I facilitate meetings, workshops. I mean, all this. And I know that I might get on here and it might sound like it's easy for me to speak. But I will tell you that every time 
I have to speak in a public forum, I am nervous. I have butterflies in my stomach. My hands get clammy and sweaty. My heartbeat is like beating, you know, 60 miles or whatever, 60 seconds per beat, whatever. Like my heart is like really beating fast. And so I say all that to say that even though I'm nervous, I don't let it stop me. You know why? Because before I step on anybody's stage, before I click record on this podcast, I pray to God. I pray to God and I say, Heavenly Father, give me the words that you want me to speak right now. What is the message that you want me to deliver to this crowd? Let me be the vessel by which that message is passed. So I never step onto any stage or in front of a microphone believing that I speak in my own might and in my own power. I relinquish that to the Lord and I allow him to speak through me. And when I do that, that alleviates all of the nerves, all of the stress, and all of the expectations that I have set upon myself to quote unquote do well. Because I know that I'm not speaking on my behalf. I am speaking on behalf of the Lord. And it is only through his grace and his words that I can get them out of my mouth. So even this whole message on this podcast, this was me praying to God beforehand and saying, God, give me the message that you want my listeners to hear this week. This is all God. It's not me. And I think that that's where we get ourselves lost, that we try to step into the calling as if it's us. But it's not. It's not through your might. It's not through your strength. It's not through your words. It's through the grace and love and guidance of God. And when you allow yourself to step into it from that place, it gets easier. You don't have to feel like it's you by yourself because it's not. It's all God. And if you're doing it the right way, you're allowing God to use you to bring his glory to his name and his kingdom here on earth. Right. So Moses was saying, I can't speak. I can't speak. But God was saying, don't worry. You don't even got to worry about the words. I'm going to give you the words and I'm going to equip you with the right message to tell Pharaoh when you arrive. And even still, Moses was still resistant And so Moses' fifth and final excuse was that he simply told God that he was unqualified for the task and that God should get a better qualified person to do it. Now, could you imagine the audacity to tell your father, your creator, uh, you made a mistake. No, you made a mistake with me. I'm not the one you really want, God. There's someone else more qualified. And yet God is the person who created you in your entirety. With all your gifts, with all your talents, with all your skills, even with the things that you believe are flaws, God will use those same very things to bring glory to his kingdom. So what you're thinking is a flaw, God is looking at as the very thing that he is going to use to elevate you and propel you directly into the thing that he has called you for. So at this point, the Bible states that God got angry with Moses. I mean, can you blame him? 
I can't, I want to blame him. Of course, God is angry because at every turn, Moses is trying to wriggle out of what God is calling him to do. And God, God is telling him, don't worry, son. I got you. I got you. Like, why don't you believe me? Why don't you trust me? So God is angry with Moses and God's answer to Moses at this point was that he would allow his older brother, Aaron, to assist him, but that Moses would still be God's choice to be Israel's deliverer from slavery. So listen, God is not an evil God, right? He's not trying to send us out into the wilderness, you know, full of fear, right? And so to kind of calm Moses's nerves and and Moses's fear and his doubts, he says, you know what? Fine. I'm going to send your brother with you. Um, But even with that, he's going to only be there to be a helper, to assist you. You still are the chosen one. So you have to carry out my plans and my commands, So Moses finally submits to God's request, right? He finally says, fine, I'll do it. And I think that this is where we have to get to in our own lives. God is going to send people to help you fulfill the calling that he has on your life. Not to do it for you but to help you, to get you there, to prepare you. And it might be through a coach. It might be through a trainer. It might be through a pastor. It might be through a friend, right? But it is your responsibility to obey God's commands. So that means that you step into what he is calling you to do and you do it and you get yourself the help that you need to fulfill God's calling, on your life. And I want you to use Moses as a great example of how God can initially take an unwilling and belligerent person and transform them into a very powerful and effective servant. Right? And then, you know, as we continue to to, to read about the story of Moses, we see that Moses develops a very intimate and personal relationship with God. And ultimately, that is what God wants for all of us, to have an intimate relationship with him, to go to him for all of our needs, to go to him with our fears, with our worries, with our concerns, in those moments when we feel inadequate, when we feel like we're not good enough, when we feel like we're unqualified, right? A lot of us, we turn to external things. Some of us may turn to drugs, alcohol, um, harmful behaviors, things that will hurt us physically, right? We turn to these things when we really should be turning to God because God is our strength. God will sustain us. God will give us everything that we need to be effective in the thing that he has called us to do. So as I end this week's podcast, I want to just leave you with a few lessons to be learned from Moses, right? And the first lesson is that God gets upset and angry with people who make excuses for not doing his will, 
that yes, God gets angry. And there have been plenty of times in the Bible where we see God get angry and we see the wrath of God. So every time you make an excuse for not doing his will, you have to recognize that God is going to get angry. The second lesson to be learned here is that disobedience to God can result in the loss of many of his blessings. Okay, so if you don't use the gifts and talents that he's given you, you might lose them. If you don't step into what he is calling you to do, you're never going to reach the blessings that God has for you as a result of you being obedient to what he is calling you to do. And I know that it can be scary. It's always scary doing something that we've never done before. It's always scary trying new things. But so what? It's okay to be scared. God doesn't say you can't be afraid, but God says that to lean on him when you're afraid because he will be there with you. He will lift you up. He will carry you through. Being afraid is not a good enough excuse to disobey God. And the third lesson is that God is almighty. God is Jehovah. God is self-existent. God is eternal. God is the infinite creator who has created every single thing in the universe. And he can enable his creations to accomplish whatever he wills and whatever he asks them to do because nothing is impossible with God. So stop believing the lies of the enemy because the enemy will try to convince you otherwise. And, you know, I wanted to get into the story of Jeremiah this episode, but we have gone beyond our time. I might share it um, next week. But Jeremiah is another example, you know, who felt like God couldn't use him because he was young and that there was no way that he could fulfill God's plan for his life because he was young. And I'll just um, quickly read um, the scripture, Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through eight. And this is Jeremiah here giving an excuse to God also as to why he can't do what God is calling him to do. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, I am only a youth. For, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am, there we go, that I am again, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Okay, so I just want to say that no matter what excuse we come up with, God has a way of stopping these excuses with his very words. Jeremiah wanted to hold up his age and lack of wisdom as evidence for his uselessness in ministry. And God had only to say that age is just a number. 
And Jeremiah's words would be the very words of the Lord. So the fact that he was young had no significance because God was going to give him the words. Those were the same words that formed the earth, right? And if you go back to Genesis 1, you can see that God formed the earth simply by speaking it into existence. He said, let there be light and there was light. Okay, everything that was created in the universe was created through God's words. And so those same words are always going to accomplish their purpose. God's same words are sharper than any double-edged sword. So no matter what you try to say, God's words are powerful. God's words supersede any and everything. God had made Jeremiah specifically for that calling. He equipped him for his calling and he would be there with him to walk through it all. So I'm going to leave you with this final thought. Excuses are meaningless to the God who made all things. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be well. And remember, you were created for more. Thanks for listening to the Women of Faith podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Women of Faith podcast. If this episode blessed you, consider supporting us by leaving us a rating, giving us a review, writing a comment, and sharing with your network. And if you feel really moved, you can consider making a financial donation to the link in our episode notes. Until next time, I pray that you are blessed that you step boldly into what God is calling you to do and that you never forget that you were created for more.